Amen. Oh, I'm so glad to be with you guys again. I hope that your week is going well, or at least I'm glad that you made it here. I don't know what it took for you to get here. Like, not just here physically. I don't, well, I don't know if you had kids here. I don't know what you had to like. I feel like every time we put a kid in the car seat, we're strapping them in for a NASA launch. I, I don't know, just with all the clicking and clacking. I heard one guy say that when he goes on vacation with his family and it's a road trip, he feels like the only vacation he has is after he buckles the kid and then walks around on the outside of the car to the driver's seat, just living in the sweet mercy of silence. My wife and I, we just went to this hotel that is just absolutely bananas. It's so cool. We could afford one day at it and we really enjoyed it. Get, I mean, I'm going to tell you, and I'm just going to say, even if you're visiting today, we're going to church together, okay? So you have to be cool with me, but this is what it looks like because we had a gift card that helped. But it's a hotel that you pull into and they don't give you a room key. They give you a garage door opener. You park inside of it and then you go in and then there's a private hotel room and then there's French doors and then there is a pool and it is a private pool. And my kids are so mystified when they ask, what kind of games did you play in the pool? And I said, we played the game where you weren't there <laughs> which they hated that feature. <gasps> and then mommy and daddy floated. And that was like pretty much it. It felt so good. We came out feeling like so there's no windows. So it was just like dark and we just didn't have to go anywhere. And I brought this massive bag of snacks. Hello, our snack game was so strong and we floated. Like, is that not the best? If I growing up in church, there would have been somebody saying amen to that. Like, it was just so good. So my spirit feels refreshed um, because we did just this amazing thing called nothing. It was great. <laughs> it was so good. I long for nothing sometimes, don't you? So I, what are you walking in with today? Because I tell you what, whatever you're walking in with, we want to meet you where you're at today. But I was telling our team that this is one of those sermons where you know, I, I'm trying to kind of laze, raise our level of awareness of things where it's not just like, how do I apply this to my heart, but how do I help all the hearts like take this? And one thing is to kind of like watch the physical movement. And it was so much fun during the first service because today I'm going to talk about what your appetites are. Another way of describing that is the things that you are tempted by. And you just saw like the no one look at me. So people were either like hardcore still statue or it was like somebody released ants into the church and we were just like all like itchy and uncomfortable. And I thought it was funny <laughs> because, you know, well, wait, what can I, I can't fix you. Like, I, <laughs> I don't know what the problems are, but today we want to talk about appetites and we're going to talk a little bit about your calling in life and, you know, where you're going, a little bit of that. A few weeks ago, I, I made this point that I wanted to refine a little bit. And if you're taking notes, this will be the first point for today, that your calling is about who you are. It's not your job. It's not your job. It's just the thing that you do to make some bread. I get that. But it's not, it, it's not who you are, and you shouldn't be defined by it. But I want to talk today about appetites. I think appetites are a great word. I didn't, you know, I didn't come up with the word appetite for this because usually we would call it like what you're hungry for or the stuff that you're tempted by. And I just think appetites is just a really great way of putting it. Because if you've got an appetite for something, now maybe you've never experienced this, but when you ask your spouse, where do you want to go to dinner? And then she doesn't have an answer. She, you know, like you have all suffered that. But if you ever just had like a super big craving, you're like, if I don't eat a burrito, someone's getting harmed. Like I'm talking about like a real appetite in your life where you just got a craving for it. Well, it's not just food, is it? The things that you and I can have appetites for. And I certainly have them too. And 
In fact, I bet if you think about it long enough, or maybe you don't have to think long at all, you know somebody who has had an appetite for something that is so strong that you could actually predict their future. Like if they don't figure this out, if they don't get this under control, it's going to kill them. Or if they don't get this under control, it's going to cost them their marriage or their job. Maybe even for your kids, you were like, if they don't figure out this appetite thing, this thing that they want so badly, there's going to be destruction in their future. Or if they keep falling into that appetite, eventually they're, they're just going to be a different person than who they really want to be. You and I have seen that before. We could predict some of that. Some of it, like for me, I talk about this a lot. And the reason that I talk about the fact that I used to weigh 400 pounds is a couple of things. One is I am not YouTube content. I'm not trying to find a new story to tell you every week. But my life has been radically changed because I had to figure out how to be a new human being. That was very difficult. And the only way that I made it through was that the Lord was so tender and sweet to me and helped me. And I begged him to do it for decades. And I finally started taking some action that was different than anything else that I'd ever done before. And it was hard. That's why any person, if you struggle with your eating whatsoever, I am not the guy who's going to walk up to you and be like, you got this, come on, you know, like that. People tried that with me. It didn't work. One time I was preaching at a church when I first started being an intern and a dude walked, dude walked up to me and I thought he was going to do the basic thing that you say to somebody after they preach, even if it was terrible. Not that you have ever heard a terrible sermon or just a real, like real made disease happen. You know, I'm sure that you've never sat through one of those, especially here. But for me, like I was just waiting for it and he was going to come up to me and he said, Tom, just, and I'm waiting for it. I'm waiting for the thank yous and congratulations. I've just noticed, Tom, that you're getting a little bit bigger every week. Oh, thanks. And if you would like, I would love to start training you. Now, eventually I found out that the dude was an actual Olympian. So that offer for training, like, don't bury the lead, homie. Like, tell me that you have a bronze medal. But, uh, but for me, I was just like shocked. Like, how dare you? Can't this be a place where people can come as they are? I'm totally going to go to Wendy's and dip my fries in that frosty afterwards, like <laughs> hacks. Like, I, like for me, I, I, was, I just didn't want anybody to get into my nonsense, and nobody was surprised that I got as big as that I got, except for me, because I never thought that I would get bigger than my biggest. I never thought, I thought, oh, this is just who I am. It, you know, it's fine, and I can keep eating, and that's just not how it works, and it was destructive, and it was going to get me killed. And I believe that because it was just growing and growing and growing, and how could I possibly face it? Well, part of it was that I had to be honest with the fact that your second point is that your appetite can and will be your future if you do not face it in your present. Can and will be your future. You don't face it for your present. I don't know what your appetites are, so I thought I would compile a list just because I think this, this would make things more awkward and I think that that's funnier. So, no, I thought I would come up with a list to kind of help spark the creativity a little bit. What are the things that you're appetite for? I don't know. Maybe you have an appetite for being accepted. You just, acceptance, just really, you just long for that. And that's what I mean by an appetite. You just long and you know that happiness, you would have some happiness in your life if you just only could find acceptance. I certainly have that. Maybe intimacy. You're just longing to be connected with somebody with intimacy or inclusion or maybe you long to finally be respected or to, be re or to get recognition. Or maybe fame. Like you just long that people would actually know your name and you could do it. They say that the most sought-after career for the next generation is to be a star on YouTube. Content creation is a real thing and it's so hard. Progress. This is a big one. This is for you because progress is definitely for me. If I don't think that things are moving forward, I think that something must be wrong. 
So I'm just trying to figure out, like, why are we not moving forward? And that every time you watch HDTV, you just know, or anything on YouTube or TikTok or whatever, Reels or anything, that you just look around. Have you noticed that every person on those social media, none of them have mismatching appliances? Like now one person has a black one and a stainless steel one. No, it's all perfectly laid out kitchens and the bedroom is perfect and then they have the faith, hope, and love thing that's carved into their shabby chic and like there's just something about it and you're like, I need progress to have that and I need the new couch and I need this and then this would finally make it feel like it's more homey if it just didn't look like our home anymore. You know, like if you could just have that and then you have this, we need progress to have it and why aren't we moving into the next biggest house? And they said this, in Financial Peace University by Dave Ramsey, it said that, the, that what generations want is they want to begin where their parents are already at. They want to start from there. So they have to have the bigger house, which means more debt. And if you can find a house right now, you're a magician because they're not there. So it's just, it's just crazy. I mean, you could just have that, that if I'm not moving up, then something must be wrong. And if, you, if I asked any one of you if you're being paid enough at work, the answer would be no course you're not being paid enough at work and you should be progressing and constantly getting raises and haven't you seen how much gas costs and we need to move up we need progress and you can have an appetite for it but we don't think about that so that's all the sermon's going to be is just be satisfied and shut up no maybe one of your appetites is to be envied now this is one of those things envy is a sin but it's a sin that none of us would confess to because very few of us would actually hold up the mirror and just say like do i envy people do I look down on people? Is there somebody, let's talk social media just for a second. Is there just somebody whose post, no matter what it is, you just cannot click like? <laughs> like, you know, is there just something like that in your life? Not me. See, I'm just, just constantly walking with the Lord and I'm in total freedom. No, there's some real jerks out there. So I, and I, you know, this is how it is. And I would just love to be envied because then I could really prove them wrong. Or maybe you just have an appetite for stuff. And if you have an appetite for stuff, you probably have an appetite for more stuff. And if you have an appetite for more stuff, you probably also have an appetite for new stuff. <laughs> I'm just totally free from all of this. I don't want anything new. Or maybe you just have an appetite for responsibility. There is a musical that we're not allowed to talk about because it uses language. But, you know, there, there was this line where the character in the play is just saying, I just long to be in the room where it happened. You want to be a part of the decisions. And if you're not in it, you're out of it. And if you're not in it, people, you are just over it. And you don't want to be part of it. And you're suspicious of it. You just long for responsibility, power, or inclusion. Or maybe you have an appetite for achievement. It's not just progress, it's like achievement where I need to go on to the next thing. I need to win. I need to win. I need to win. I need to have the last word, which leads to winning. Maybe that's just you. Hey, Chris, let's leave these up for a few minutes. Just, and, and part of it is because what I want to encourage you to do is there are some open blanks that are in your notes, and this would help. This is going to help us for later, okay? If you would just write down what you think a couple of those might be for you. And if that's weird for you because you have somebody with you, you write down somebody else's, okay? It's just like for a friend, okay? We're listening to a sermon for a friend who really needs to see this YouTube later, you know? Just, you're fine, you know? Just kind of jot that down for them, not for you, because you're fine. You don't want any more stuff, you're good. Like, but just write it down for a second because this is a part of something that nobody wants to do. And we call it, if you go to a, a therapist, which I highly recommend for most people, just like how most people should get a doctor instead of just figuring out what that pain in their tum-tum is, you should do it with your brain too. And it's called doing work. Like doing real work on who you are and where you want to go and stuff that's impacting you instead of just assuming that if everybody else would get their act together, your act would be together. It's just a happier way to live. There's a little bit more joy in it. 
And I tell you, there's a lot more freedom in it instead of waiting for somebody else to change so that you can finally be happy. <laughs> That's a whole other sermon that I want to get into, but that'll make you itchy too. I thought uh, for us to, to move a little further forward, I wanted to admit something. This isn't really in line with the whole appetite thing, but we're going to talk this morning about Jacob and Esau. Two guys from the Old Testament going all the way back to the book of Genesis, so we don't talk about them a lot. But we know that for Israel to actually become a nation, there was a vision that the Lord gave and a prophecy that he put over this family, saying, from this family, we are going to change the world forever. And it starts off with these two little boys who are finally born to these aged parents. Their parents now are probably in the 80s, but when they were born, they were twin boys. Now Esau was the firstborn, and because he was the first one out of the womb, he was going to get the birthright. Birthright is the full inheritance, but it's also you are going to now carry the mantle of this family forward. Anywhere the family goes, you are the leader of it. There might not have been, there might have been money. Scholars disagree back and forth whether or not they were wealthy or not. But regardless, power and the power of a name goes forward. And there's still something about that with us, is we want somebody to carry the family name forward. We want a boy. My nine-year-old last week, she was so sweet to me. She's like, Daddy, I think you should have a son too, so there can be more Gibsons. And I was like, we're fine, baby. I'm fine with all the girl power we got in our life. We're doing just fine. But there is this longing to keep us going. We want to keep going, and it's on you to keep it going. And that is something to be treasured, especially in this culture, and I think it's important. I think it's also important to know that there was a serious ton of baggage in this family already, even though they're pretty much the first ones. First of all, Esau being born first, he was noted out of the womb about how red and hairy he was. The dude was getting body shamed, like right out the, right out the get. And then his little brother, who was his twin, is known because he grabbed his brother's ankle on the way out of the womb, and he got named, basically the translation would be ankle grabber. <laughs> awesome. That's nothing to talk about with your therapist later, is it? <laughs> like, I got named for screwing up and being weird from the get-go. So one's a hairy monster, the other one is just like grabbing people and all handsy. I, I don't know, but I thought I would give you this point that even godly homes have tension. These are people who are following the one true Lord, and they should be honored for that. But at the same time, they had problems. And I just thought that you should know, in case your family ever has any weird drama, I'm sure everything is going great all the time, and you guys are just praying and holding hands constantly, and there is no tension or trying to figure anything out, and nobody in your house complains, <laughs> ever. So, no, it happens, and there's tension happening inside the house. Did you, honey, did you notice how quiet it got out there when I started talking about tense families? <laughs> it's going to get worse before it gets better. Here we go. In Genesis chapter 25, I want to go into the story because we, we know a couple of things. First of all, let's start in verse 27. The boys grew up, and Esau became a skillful hunter, a man of the open country, while Jacob was content to stay at home among the tents. It's my boy, actually. Isaac, who had a that's the dad, had a taste for wild game, loved Esau, but Rebekah loved Jacob. Oh, that's a fun dynamic. Now, first of all, gets to stay at home and mommy's favorite. And I will just tell you, if you're going to be mommy's favorite or daddy's favorite, daddy looks like he's in charge, be mommy's favorite. Stay in the tent, I guess. That would be my lesson. Let's just fold up our notes and be done for the day. Just please your mother. No, for these guys, already from the get-go, one was a favorite of one parent, one was a favorite of another. There has to be tension that's happening there. There was clearly difficulty 
inside of the home. And the fact is, is that the only reason that Isaac loved Esau is because he fed him. The Bible tells us that he had a taste for wild game. So he really liked how he could get fed. His appetite was, which kid makes my life better? And that is the favorite kid. I, I'm just curious, for, for those of you who have been raised by human beings, what were the appetites of your parents and did they hurt you? You know, for me, yeah, absolutely. I've been really honest with my biological father. You know, he's dead. He can't defend himself. <laughs> it's a dark joke. No, but with him, I've made a lot of peace with him, and there's total forgiveness for it there. But the man had appetites that made it really difficult for him to have the capacity to love me or to love me the way that I long to be loved by my father. Did you have anything like that where there was an appetite or a desire in your, and maybe it started in a good place where your dad just really wanted to provide for you and he wasn't there? What was it for you? It does damage. And if you have kids now, your kids are going to figure you out and they will have a pretty good guess about what your appetites really are, no matter what narrative you would love for them to adopt about you. And it's hard and it's painful and it costs you something. And I think, I think what we have to understand is point number four, what you are most hungry for will be what you are known for by those you care about the most. Mm. I, I love this line. It's uh, from a pastor named Mark Batterson out of Washington, D.C. And he said, I only long to be famous in my own home. It's this idea of which I only wish to love and connect and to raise up and to just be known in my own home. And it takes this level of authenticity and kindness and self-awareness to get there. Now I'm going to jump to further into the story about what happens between these brothers, but I'm going to switch translations to this translation called the New American Standard that I really like, and I'll jump back into the NIV later. So I'm going to read the story. It's not too far off. It just has this one line that I really love when he calls the stew red stuff, and I just think that that just is so juicy. I love it. So I'm going to start in Genesis 25, 29 to 34. They'll be on your screen. When Jacob had cooked a stew one day, Esau came in from the field. So these are the two brothers, okay? Esau came in from the field, and he was exhausted. He's tired. Verse 30, And Esau said to Jacob, Please let me have a mouthful of that red stuff there, for I am exhausted. Therefore, he was called Edom by his name, which basically translates to red. People just love nicknaming these guys. So hungry. You know, it's like saying, like, if you love the stew so much, why don't you marry it? So that's basically what happens in this moment. Verse 31, just so you remember that they're brothers. But Jacob said, first, sell me your birthright? Question mark added by Pastor Tom. And Esau said, look, I'm about to die. So of what use is the birthright to me? That's reasonable. That's a reasonable thing to say. And Jacob said, first swear to me. So he swore an oath to him. And oaths were binding at this point in history. And sold his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and some lentil stew. And he ate and drank and got up and went on his way. Look what the scriptures describe this moment as. So Esau despised his birthright. In almost every translation, it phrases it that way despised his birthright. You want to know one of the things I love about the Bible? There are lots of people who will claim that they love you. There aren't always a lot of people who will actually put the action behind it, right? 
And the Bible makes it so clear that you can claim lots of things, but your action actually means something. And every time it describes what love is, it always associates it with an action. Christ proved his love for us to this while we were yet sinners. Christ died for us. Come on. It's always attached to the action. And his action said, I despi he despised his birthright. Now, the easy takeaway is, what a dummy. Or how could he do that? Or why? Who would possibly give up such a calling in their life for a bowl of beans and stew? And the answer is, much to our surprise, is you would. I would. Oh, if I'm famished and I'm hungry enough, now, this is the guy who thinks he probably knows how the world works, right? Esau probably gets it. I know how to hunt. I know how to work in the field. And I can't go get that food now. I don't know how to produce my own food right now. And I feel, feel like I am starving. Homie, if you are legit dying of something, a mouthful of red stuff is not your lifesaver. But he had convinced himself, and maybe he even convinced himself that he'd worked hard enough that he deserved it. He owed it. I love the way that we kind of make things work in our head that we can do the thing that isn't exactly right because we've already done enough right things, which is nonsense. But we believe it. We can convince ourselves of anything. We can convince ourselves of things that are gross. We can convince ourselves of things that you probably just wouldn't want someone to find out about. It's not right or wrong. It's just, I don't want to explain it. And those are the things that eventually cost you. Because even if you don't get found out about it, it eats away at you. I got so mad in my new house one day, and I opened up underneath the sink, and I found some mold under there. I was like, it's a new house. How could there be mold under here? I paid so much. And I came to discover that the mold did not care about what my mortgage payment was. It just is what it is, man. Moisture into a dark place does damage. You've got some stuff hiding in your cabinet right now that's inside of a dark place, and I will tell you that there is nothing healthy for you that's growing in the dark. But for us, I think it comes down to this, point number five. The truth will set you free, but it works best when we exchange our reasons, you could say excuses there if you like, for the reality of your appetites. Just owning it and just saying, like, listen, this is what I've been tempted about. This is what I think about. And I face it and I look at it and I'm going to deal with it as best as I know how, which is usually, and I'm going to give you some hope today. Don't you worry. But finding out what your true north is, and it's Jesus Christ. The truth will set you free, but it works best when you exchange your reasons, the reality of your appetites. Which, which leads me to the next point is you can't really be yourself as long as you're lying to yourself. Now, honestly, I, I'm concerned with how to say this, and I've really been wrestling with it all week about how do I say this without sounding like a new age, you know, person. I, it's the fact that I really want you to be yourself. I long for authenticity in my relationships. I, I just, it just, am I alone in this? Is this not exhausting feeling like you have to always perfectly present yourself? Like one thing that I do here that probably gets me the most feedback is I get teased when I tease Baptists, because I grew up Baptist, so I like to tease Baptists too. I think they're funny people because they're my people. I just, I love them so much and all their idiosyncrasies and the things that they say just wildly wrong and that they just don't know. Like, I, I just, but I love them because they're my family and they're my people. And then so my, my wife came to me and she's like, maybe don't talk about the Baptists. And I'm like, maybe it's just who I am. Like at some point, 
at some point, I'm just going to be who I am. And you can try to refine me and make me better and make me look more like somebody else, but then I'm not going to be that person. And I'm certainly not going to face the actual stuff that needs to be confronted in my character. I can try to tweak myself to look like a pill that's easier to swallow, or I can be who I actually am. We want you to be you. Wouldn't it be nice to be able to come to church and when somebody says, how's your day going, that there's at least one or two other people that you can say, will you help me pray for my days? Or you don't need to go into it, maybe with everything, because maybe the weight that you're dealing with right now, you really need some professional help. <laughs> I don't know why people get so weird about, maybe I need to go to counseling. I would just love to say, personal opinion, this is Tom's soapbox, this isn't in the Word, but I think most of us should be in counseling. My, the reason that I think most of you should go to a doctor, when you get a funny pain in your tummy, and you're like, ah, it'll go away, and then it doesn't, and you're like, I'm just going to live with it. That could actually mean the opposite, or where you're not, and you should go to a doctor. I think it's the same thing. Are you just unhappy right now? It's okay. Is there just something that you think that if you had that addition to your life, things would finally be okay, or if they would finally go away, or if I had her instead of her, then things would be okay? Those are your appetites. And you could start facing them if you're honest about them and real with them. And then maybe things can change. You know, in AA, they, they say when you stand up and you introduce yourself, there's two things you have to do. You have to say your name, and then you have to admit that you're an alcoholic. And I just think that there's so much power in being able to just bring something into the light and just saying, these are my proclivities. This is the thing that I get wrapped up in. And it's not one thing. Now, being so heavy on stage was hard. It was hard because nobody was guessing whether or not Tom had an issue with eating. No one was like trying to figure that out. But the real hard thing was that wasn't my only appetite. But I could definitely make you think it was. I could just kind of move along in the conversation and then not face the other stuff in my life. And my longing is to be closer with Christ and to be in a place where I can actually love you well. And there are people that you're supposed to be loving too. And if you are not able to face yourself in the mirror, and you love James, the book of James. If you're not reading James, oh my gosh, it's so good. It's just straight fire. The whole book is just great. In the first chapter, and he was we think he was Jesus's brother, and he didn't believe that Jesus was the Son of God, even though it's like, remember when Lazarus came back for Thanksgiving? You know, I did that, and he's like, yeah, you're probably still not God. So literally, like, he comes back to life, and then he walks to his family, and James is like, all right, I'm in. This is the Tom translation of how that all went. And James put it so beautifully. He said, somebody who can look at the Word of God and then not put it and apply it to their life is like a man who looks in the mirror and forgets what his reflection looks like. And I will tell you, if you can't, face, the reflection, the face will never change and will never get you. We want you, and the Lord wants you. I'd rather experience a socially awkward person who's trying to figure out than somebody who's got it so put together and always has it right, and all the appliances always match all the time, because I will not be able to measure up to your perception. But I can be your friend if you could accept the fact that I will not always get it right. And there is a room full of people in here who don't know how to match every need that you have, but that will pray for you. And I will tell you, in your worst days, you need more prayers than attaboys and people to go see movies with. At some point with you, can you face the mirror? One of the hardest parts of keeping the weight off, you know, you lose a half of you, and my body right now is trying to be heavy again. No point in human history did 
your body, where human bodies just going like, losing weight is good. No, my body thought I was dying at the time because it's like, where's all the fat going? So everything that I eat, it's just trying to hold on to calories more and have on to it. But the real thing that was tough for me was I had to admit something. I had to admit that no matter how motivated I was, I was going to get hungry again. And the same reasons that I ate before, I really had to start facing them. And I'll tell you what the trick has been for me, and it's not that cool, and it's not enough to write a whole chapter about in a book. It's I keep protein bars and Smart Pop popcorn in my office because I know how many calories are in. And the answer to that is make the right decision easier to get to. And I had to do that because I love tacos so much. And there's a Taco Bell right down the street, and I have a credit card, and I can get a taco if I want one. Because I know that the right decision is right there, I can get to it easier. Because I have to be honest with myself. You gotta admit to yourself that you're gonna be hungry again, and then you gotta get to work. And that's the thing that I really wish that more people would understand is how much work it really takes. There is no highlight reel. You don't know what it was like for me sitting alone in the room and looking and trying to figure out how am I going to eat artichoke hearts now? This is not in my life. And trying to figure out how am I going to get healthy? And how am I going to stop trying to find a gimmick that's going to fix me? And how can I just live a new path? And it's been so difficult, especially when I'm under stress and especially when I'm lonely and especially when I'm hurting and especially when I wish there was somebody I could call and tell all my problems to and then they would just fix it for me and they don't exist, and those are the times where I am the hungriest. And I had to be honest. I had to admit that I was going to be really hungry again, and I have to make a plan for how I'm going to do it. Do you have a plan for her if that woman finally takes an interest in you, guys? Or is it just kind of you check her out? Because there are going to be lots of fantasies. Do you have a plan Ladies, for him, I mean, the Bible tells us that we are supposed to flee all temptation, especially sexual temptation. This is where it gets like so awkward in the room. It's, like I said, you can be awkward, you can have fun with me because like, there's all these human beings in here and all of us have been tempted in one way or another. Do you have a plan or do you just have willpower to not go to that website, not do the Google search that you want to do, not go onto YouTube and see if you can figure out a way out on the rules? Or do you just have a plan about how you're going to erase your history so you're never going to get caught? And that's the best plan that you have right now. Or do you have a plan that finds you a new way forward? And I would just say, while here sitting in church might not feel like great timing for you, it actually is a time for you to just stop and say, when I leave this room, what's my plan? Because your motivation and your willpower is not enough, but he is, but you got a plan to get there for it. And how are we going to do that? It starts with just being genuinely open and honest. And I think it starts with this. This is Psalm 139. There's two verses here. The first one is, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Stay on that verse for a moment. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Do you, do you know the amount of trust that you need to have in God for you to say to him, go ahead and test me? And the desire that it would take to grow and to be closer to him. I mean, one of the most dangerous prayers that you could ever pray is, God, do whatever it takes to make me closer to you. Oh, risky. But isn't all true love risky? Isn't it all putting yourself out there? 
What would happen if the Lord tested you? Well, I'll tell you how it works. What little I know of engineering is there's this thing called a stress test, and it'll find out what breaks and what doesn't. And when you have the Holy Spirit saying, it's right here, you will feel it quickly, and you'll be like, oh, don't say her name. No, 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 it's pure, it's fine. Then you've got to find out, what is that appetite? Because that appetite will grow in the dark, and if it grows in the dark, it'll eventually come into the light. And if it comes into the light, it is what you will probably be known for. I love Martin Luther King Jr. He said, the time is always right to do what is right. And one of my favorite books is this book called The Martian. The Red Planet, by the way. Red stuff, Red Planet. There we are. And I, I really love this story. Uh, I'm not going to break the whole thing down. Eventually, this book, The Martian, I think it's really well written. And it was written within the science community. He would do blog posts, and he would describe the problem he's going to have, and all these, you know, these amazing physicists and nerds would try to work it out with him and solve the problem. It's really cool how that first one was written. And he's this botanist who gets left behind on the planet. So he's going to try to grow plants and figure out how he's going to survive on Mars. And I was talking to some of my buddies between services. I love like restoration videos on YouTube. Y'all watch any of those? They're so cool because there's these epic problems that they're trying to solve. And I get all the satisfaction of the solution without having to do any of the work to get there. <laughs> it's great. It's great. It's like pizza, but YouTube, it's so good. So I <laughs> like, it's just delicious and awesome all at once. I tell you, I have a problem with food. And in this story, he's trying to figure it out, and he starts listing all of the things that could happen because he's been left alone, and a bunch of stuff has been destroyed, and Mars is far away from Earth, so help is not coming soon. And he eventually starts listing off things. He says, if the water reclaimer breaks down, I'll die at first. If the hab breaches, I'll just die, and I'll kind of implode. And if none of those things happen, I'll eventually run out of food, and I'll starve to death. And the whole book is him trying to figure out how he's going to make it based on what he actually needs to make. But he has to face his problems. And he makes a ton of mistakes. And they're very funny. And I can't recommend the book because there's language. But you know, I, I, I love one thing that he says. He, he tries to process the weight of all the anxiety that's on him. And he says, at some point, everything is going to go south on you. And you can either accept that or you can get to work. And I just think that that's so true. You can either... Except that, oh, life is so difficult. Solomon got so under pressure in Ecclesiastes. He says, meaningless, meaningless. All life is meaningless. It's a chasing of the wind. Holy smoke, Solomon, you are burned out, homie. But to actually face and do the work of what is creating an appetite in my heart, it's facing it, it's writing it down. I believe in some relationships there's confession. I believe you need people praying specifically for you, which is why we have a prayer team up here. It's not for you to necessarily testify to all your business that's going on. No, it's to say, like, I'm a person who needs to be prayed for. They know you have appetites because they know that you probably have a central nervous system, what with you being human and all. And we are just here as a church just saying, we will pray for you because we believe in its power to take things to the Creator. Verse 24 from that Psalm 139, verses 23 or 24. It says, See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. Oh, lead us, Lord. Take us there. Take me out of me so that I can become the me that you've created me to be for you. This is all for you. Because what you give up for a bowl of stew, for some lentil soup, 
is irretrievable. It's not unforgivable, but you can't go back in time and undisappoint some t- someone. You can't go back and unhurt someone. You can't go back and unwaste someone's, somebody's time of that person that you lied to or that person that you let on. What is your bowl of stew? And not in your past. I mean, like right now. I mean, what's the thing that could happen that you're going to go back to, that thing that nobody knows about, what the Lord does, and he wants all of you, and for you to just have an honest conversation with the Lord. My, a lot of, when I'm sitting down with somebody young, and they're just angry, and I ask, did you take the Lord about it? They kind of picture like this perfect prayer circumstance when you're going to confess. I've just decided to live my life with a way where I could actually talk to Jesus. And so when I talk to Jesus, I start naming names. And I start being like, man, when she said that, it hurt so bad. And she didn't have the right to say that because she was a big jerk first. Like, I can really get into it. And I start talking about, like, what's right and what's wrong. Because I want the whole heart exposed. Like, here it is. Here's all of it. Not like he's ever been like, surely not. Like, that's never been my Lord's response. You know, his response is always truth. And that truth is love. I believe that clarity and kindness go so deeply together. So in that clarity, when he says, yeah, that's a sin, you're way out of line. Jesus would talk and he would say, like, you're picking out the speck in somebody else's eye. Here's the log. And I'm like, leave my log alone. I'm quite happy with my log. I'm hungry for more log in other eye. And he's so gracious to me. And it so helps. Find any offensive way in me, the intimacy of a prayer that says, God, you have full access. Change it. Why do you think salvation is so significant? On the outside and me confessing that I'm a sinner and rescuing me? What made you think that your rescue is over? It's not. Your rescue is over in the sense that there has already been the great exchange, that Christ's blood has already covered your sin, and you're on your way to heaven, baby, and I cannot wait to celebrate with you. I hope there's a big drum set. I'm like just so thankful and grateful for that. But what we call the regeneration of the Holy Spirit, which is where you are constantly being refined in your walk with him, that is the relationship. Search me, know me. Search me, know me, and then I will know you more. Search it all. Test me so that it brings me closer to your most dangerous prayer. Do whatever it takes to bring us close. What's competing for your integrity right now? What's competing for your preferred future? Let me ask in a different way for some of us. What's her name? What's his name? What or who is it difficult to say no to that you know that you should say no to? Because let me be honest with you, they're not that cute. They're not so cute you blow up your life and your future and your influence over. They're not, they're not that cute. I mean, you might look at them and see that they're a total smoke show. I, it, but it doesn't matter. They're not, that, they're not that cute. They're not worth that. The relationship with them is not worth that. It's not worth it. You have a birthright, my friend. You have something you're supposed to be carrying forward right now. Don't give it away because of your appetite. It's not worth it. You know, I, I don't know. I, I've seen people give up their whole marriages for pastors. And, you know, like how, how many times have we seen that? You've seen it on the news. There's some pastor who got tempted. And I don't know. Maybe you think that we just sit around and we are just perfect vessels of spirituality in my home. And I will just tell you, my wife and I have been married for a while now, and she will tell you that Tom is not sitting off in the corner worshiping and playing Waymaker every day. It's just not how we roll. I'm a dude. 
okay? And I have appetites and desires too. I'll tell you one thing on the whole idea of being attracted to the idea that somebody else could give me a different life is I just have to remember what Paul said, that when tempted, we are to flee all temptation. Flee, 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 flee. We don't like to flee, we like to flirt. But we run and run away from the other direction. I will not give up my birthright. It has to be a plan. What are you doing right now that's not exactly immoral? It's not exactly illegal. You just wouldn't want anybody else to find out about. You have anything like that? I do. There's some stuff that I just really hope the church doesn't find out about. What a crazy thing to admit, but I'm just telling you right now, the more that I bring those things into the light, I have to have a plan. Part of my plan is that in my phone, at the top of my contact list, I have Pastor Scott's number in there. Now, in my phone, because we have an odd relationship as far as the dynamic. He is one of my best friends. He is my pastor. He is my boss. But at the same time, if I bring something, I have him in my phone as Pastor Scott Blanchard because I want him to be an honor in my life, and it's tuned in there. And then I need to be able to call him and say, like, Pastor Scott, and the problem when you call a deaf guy is you got to confess really loud, I'm being tempted right now. I'm, ha I'm having a full pity party right now. And then he says whatever he needs to say in the moment to be my friend, which is usually, okay, and just listen. What, what is it for you? What's your plan? What's your plan to face that temptation? What's the thing you don't want anybody else? Dear friends, my biggest risk for you is that it's easy to say, okay, and to talk about, I've got that, and just you can just claim willpower that you're never going to deal with it again. But the real kicker with Esau is that the dude could hunt. He could have provided for himself again. He could have eaten again. He would just have to wait. We don't like waiting for anything. I'm on Amazon Prime, baby. I want to complain in the forums if I don't get it in two days, okay? Like, let's let's get it here. And the thing is, with my weight loss, I the real question, when people ask me, like, how did you do it? You already know how I did it, right? I ate a lot less. And, and, but they don't want that because it's so hard and it takes a long time and it will cost you something to be the person that you're actually meant to be. What it costs you is the falsehood and you are free and we long for you to be free. And part of your next steps in your cards, it just says, I'll give up five minutes every day to ask God to search my heart. I just kind of picked five minutes randomly. I'll tell you this, if you spend 15 seconds talking to God and just saying, will you search me and know me? You are way ahead of the curve of most other Christians. Because a lot of us, we are caught up in the activity, but not the faith. Just ask him, just search me and know me. And if you think you already know what all the parts are, I don't know. Ask the one who knows it all, the omniscient one. Is there anything else? Is there, search me and know me, God. Is there any possibility? And as a pastor being on a platform, I've been accused by a lot of things. And it's really easy for me to just be like, well, I didn't give this person what they wanted, so they'll accuse my character of all of it. And I can get defensive or I can get on my knees and say, God, is it true? Is there any piece of it that's true? Help me to be more like you. I long to be myself next to you. Set it free, my friend. Whatever you face, whatever you think that you know that you would do under temptation, good men and women 
have blown up their lives and their marriages and their families and their relationships with kids because of their appetites. Don't let it be you. Do it. Look in the mirror now. Then get to work. And we're here for that because we want to help you take your next step. Let's pray together. Jesus, we love you. We trust you. And we long to be close to you. Test us, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen.